Are you ready for the word? Said, how many's ready for the word? And we welcome those who are watching online, and we know that there are those who want to come back and that's not able to come back. And uh, but we welcome you, and we can't wait for all of you to be back. Now, I want you to know that 2020 was a hard year for the world, <laughs> and it was a hard year for the church. I just read an article the other day that said that church attendance in America has declined below 50% the first time in a decade because of the pandemic. But I believe that at Christ's point, we're going to reverse that. Can I hear an amen? Let's reverse that. And so thank you for being faithful to the house of God. We encourage you to continue to be faithful. And uh, I am praying for you and we are anticipating great things. And so thank you for being here this morning. Um, this morning, I want to preach a sermon found in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. All right, and let's look at a few verses this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 37. I want you to hear the story of David and Goliath. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 37. Brandon, can you put that on a timer, please? Verse number 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, for the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head, and also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had had and his sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came, began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about him and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. How many knows that's confidence? And this day I will give your carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. So it was that when the Philistine arose and came and drew near and met David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. 
Then David put in his hand a bag, put his hand in the bag, and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. Amen. Today, just for a few moments, and this sounds a little uh, odd concerning the scripture that I just read, but I want to bring out a few principles in this story. Today, I want to preach on the thought, help me, I have issues. Come on, somebody say, help me, I have issues. And everybody else is not saying it, you're lying. Somebody say, help me, I have issues. Come on, say it real loud. Help me, I have issues. Lord, bless the reading and the preaching of your word. Open our ears and our hearts that we would hear from you. And everyone said, everyone said, amen. You know, last week I did a series of sermons, um, or the last couple weeks I did a series of sermons on Easter, the road to Easter. Last Sunday I did a sermon, I did a sermon on Thomas and how sometimes all of us doubt and God still can use us even when we doubt. I believe it was an encouraging message to all of us that no matter what you're facing and what you're doubting, God could still use us. I think that we were encouraged during Easter, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ still raises us up to a new level, even though we have scars. I think that we all have been encouraged the last few years, a few weeks, seems like years, a few weeks, we've all been encouraged. But today I want to go into a different direction. Now, just stay with me. Not all sermons are feel-good sermons. And not all sermons gives you goosebumps. Now, I love the sermons, Brother Jimmy, that gives me goosebumps. And I love the sermons that make me feel good. But some sermons don't make me feel good. You know, growing up, I never liked vegetables. I really still don't like vegetables. I, I kind of like broccoli now. But I love cookies, cakes, Sweets, ice cream, oatmeal cream pies, you name it, I love it. To me, I think it's a waste of time to go out to eat and eat real food. Why don't we just eat dessert? Give me some ice cream, give me some brownies, give me, you know, I love desserts. Honestly, folks, I really do. And I'm, and I'm going to have a hard time denying my children ice cream. Because they're going to come to me and say, Daddy, can I have some ice cream? I'm going to be like, don't tell Mama. We're going to go right now, and we're going to get some ice cream. You know, I love desserts. I really, really do. But how many knows that if you have a diet of desserts all the time, you're not going to be healthy? So sometimes eating fruits and vegetables, they're needed in your diet. And it's good to have desserts. I think we should but not all the time. And I feel like the last couple weeks I've given you, I've gave you desserts. This week, I want to give you some vegetables. And it's kind of hard, but I want you to swallow the vegetables because I believe that it's a part of your healthy diet. 
I want to share something with you this morning that is straightforward, but it is helpful. I am convinced, listen to Pastor Josh, I am convinced that sometimes we become so paralyzed in our pursuit of God in, and also in our pursuit of our calling because we don't know how to deal with the issues of our life. We have weeds in the garden. And if you don't learn how to pick the weeds out of the garden, the weeds can potentially harm the health of the garden. And sometimes I think that our pursuit for God is hindered because we don't know how to deal with certain issues of our life. Now granted, I'm talking to myself too. I'm not the exception to the rule this morning. As I preach, I certainly preach to myself. Sometimes all of us get stuck in the maze of life and we're trying to figure out how to do better. What to do better. But my challenge to you today is not to do better. My challenge for you today is to be better. And sometimes we focus so much on doing the right things in life that we're not being the right person in life. And there is a difference between being the right person and doing the right things. And this morning, I want to challenge you to look at this from a different perspective and change your perspective about just not doing right things, but by being right. The Scripture tells us to be holy, for God is holy. It did not tell us to do holy. It said to be holy. Because you do out of what you are. You do because of what you are. If you are holy, you will do holy. If you are right, you will do right. So let's focus on being instead of doing. Because when you get the being right, you will do right. Sometimes we're stuck in the maze of life. And sometimes we go round and round not knowing how to deal with the things of life and not even know how to deal with the invisible war that rages inside of us. Sometimes it's not the things in life that you see that is troublesome. Sometimes it's the invisible things that happens in life that brings us the burdens. And I want to remind you that there is a difference between cycles and seasons. Seasons are ordained of God, and there's nothing that you can do about it. There's a season to laugh. There's a season to cry. There's a season to have fun. There's a season of marriage. There's a season of death. Everything in life, in a season, listen to Pastor Josh, in a season, a season comes with a birth certificate, and a season comes with a death certificate. Every season begins and every season ends. Every season is ordained of God. But cycles sometimes are not ordained of God. Cycles is what we control. Seasons are what God controls. And we need to know the difference. And sometimes the cycles of our life are controlled by what we do and what we say and how we deal with things. You have the ability to control the cycles of your life the cycle of bitterness, the cycle of hurt, you name it, we have the ability to control that and it is in your responsibility to take care of that. You see, my friends, some of the things that hinder us in life 
is not necessarily the things that we see. Sometimes it's the hidden things that we do not see. Sometimes it's the unaware issues. Now, I don't want you to lose, Pastor Josh, but I want you to get what I'm saying here. Sometimes it's the unaware issues that we're not aware of that really hurts us. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Could there be issues in your life that you do not see, that you do not see, that could be hindering you? Could there be issues in your life that you're not aware of that could be hindering you? Could there be? Could there be issues that you're not aware of that could be hindering you in life? You see, my friends, the first step in solving a problem is seeing the problem. You cannot solve something that you do not see. You cannot solve something you cannot see. You can't address something that you have not identified. And it's very, very hard for us to experience God's best when we are blind to certain things in our life. I want to say that again. It's very hard for us to experience God's best when we are blind to certain things in our life. I want to say this, and I want to say it loud and clear, that your success in life is dependent upon your self-awareness. Your success in your journey with God or your success in life is really dependent upon your self-awareness. Could it be that there are things about me that I do not see that are hurting me? You see, you cannot say that you are, you can't say that you have a sickness if you haven't been properly diagnosed. You see, sometimes we pay attention to the fruit, but we forget that there's a root to the fruit. And if we don't pay attention to the root, then we'll never be able to diagnose the fruit and take care of the fruit of our lives. You see, the Bible says in Isaiah 66 and verse 1, it's not behind me, maybe they could put it behind me, but this is a scripture that I have come to love with all my heart. I was praying one day, and as I was praying in the prayer room here at the church, this scripture, I had my Bible open. When you pray, you should always take your Bible with you because it's God's word to you. And so I, was take, I took my Bible with me, and I just had my Bible open. I didn't really have it open to anywhere particular, and I was praying. I looked down, and I saw this verse, and it really ministered to me, and I really believe it speaks to us where we're at today. The Bible says in Isaiah 66, verse number 1, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is there a house that you would build for me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one thing will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Isaiah the prophet said, is there a day of rest that we could give the Lord? Is there a holiday that we could give the Lord? What can we give the Lord? Can we build the Lord a house? I don't think so. And Isaiah said there's only one thing, there's one thing that the Lord is requiring of us. This is what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying, there's one thing. I'm looking for somebody who is poor. I'm looking for somebody that is contrite. And I'm looking for somebody that trembles and obeys my word. Poor. You see the words there? Poor and brokenness. Poor. What, what does it mean to be poor? Not physical poorness, but poorness of spirit. 
When you are poor, you are dependent on someone. God is looking for somebody who is broken on the inside, who is dependent on God, and comes to the place in their life where they realize that their resources and their education and their expertise, they don't have what it takes to be successful in life. You come to a place in your life that you can't do it. You come to a place in your life where you surrender your will and you surrender your wishes and you surrender what you want done and you come to a place in your life where you crucify your desires and your passions and you surrender to the master. And that's hard to do sometimes. It's not a popular theology. It's not something that we like to teach or preach. But if you claim Jesus as Lord and Master, then His views is your views. His desires are your desires. We are submitted to Him. We become a slave to righteousness. And I pray today that we would have the heart, Lord, take off the scales of my eyes. Take the scales off of my eyes. I want not only vision for my future, Lord, but I want insight into my life. I not only want vision, but I want insight. And folks, there's a great difference between having vision and insight. I'm reminded of the story of, uh, of Samson. You remember Samson was anointed and appointed by God. And the Bible says that he went down to a prostitute. And the Bible says one decision after another's decision, he forfeited the anointing that was on his life. And the Bible says that Delilah, of course, he was laying on the lap of Delilah. She convinced him to tell him what was the strength of his power. She, he told her, and what does the Bible say? She cut his hair and he lost his strength. He arose from Delilah and realized that he didn't have the strength to fight off the Philistines. And what did the Philistines do? The Philistines took him down to their camp and they made sport of him. They embarrassed him because that's what the enemy wants to do to you. The enemy wants to embarrass you. So he's embarrassed in front of the Philistines. And what do they do? They gorged his eyes out. He had no eyes. But at the last moments of Samson's life, what did Samson say? Lord, give me the power. At the last moments of my death, give me the ability to avenge myself. And what did Samson do? He put his hands on the pillar and he, he moved them. And because of that, he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. My point is this. His eyes were out, but he had another set of eyes. He envisioned himself, avenging himself. There's a difference between vision and insight. And some of us have vision. We can see our future. We know what God wants to do. But do you have insight about what God wants to do in you, inside of you? Inside of you. And that's what happened in Samson's life. Samson had insight. He knew that he had sinned. He knew that he had forfeited the anointing. But at the same time, he had insight that God could use him again. And because of that, God used him and he defeated the Philistines more in his death than he ever did in his life. And I pray today, that's what Paul said. Paul said, I pray that your eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Because ladies and gentlemen, you got another set of eyes on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit wants to open those eyes up. The Holy Spirit wants to open those eyes up. He wants you to have deeper insight into your life. Not just vision. Not just about what you want to do. But God says there's things I want you to be. And you can't be 
unless you have insight in what I want to do in you. You see, the Jahari window is something that I learned in college and seminary, and I want to share it with you this morning. Dr. Darius also points this out, and I want to give you four points to this four types of yourself. It is very important that you're listening to. Let's not be on Facebook and let's not do all that. It's very important that I've got a word for you and it's important that you're listening. Number one, there's four types of yourself. Number one. The type of yourself, number one, is called the open self. The open self is information you and others know about you. Okay? The open self is the information you and others know about you. Number two, there is what we call the hidden self. The hidden self is information about you that you know, but others don't know. It's information, it's information about you that you know, but others don't know. Number three, it's the blind self. It's information about you that you don't know but others know. It's the blind spots of our life. Number four, it's called the unknown self. And the unknown self is information about you that neither you nor others know. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to read this one more time. It's very important that you see this. Number one, because you're not going to get anything I'm saying unless you understand this. Number one, you have the open self. The, this, this, this is what we call the four types of self. The first type of self is, number one, the open self. That's information about you, uh, information you and others know about you. Number two, the hidden self. Information about you that you know but others don't know. Sometimes not even the closest person to you knows. Number three, the blind self. Information about you that you don't know, but others do know. It's kind of like in the conversations we have. I just wish so-and-so would realize she has this problem. I wish brother so-and-so would just realize they have this problem, but they don't know. And they, you, know what, you know what hinders you in life? Is the issues that you don't know about, that people are afraid to tell you because you would get your feelings hurt. Boy, I'm preaching good. You would get your feelings hurt. You would leave the church. You would get upset because somebody told you something you didn't want to hear. But it could be that's the reason why you're being hindered in life. Number four, it's the unknown self. Information about you that neither you nor others know. And there's stuff about you that you don't know about yourself, and neither does God know about yourself. Or neither does anybody else know. Only God knows. So these are the four types of self. And as you grow in the Lord, listen to me, as somebody grows in the Lord, they become more broken and they become more contrite. Remember Isaiah when he prayed? He said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. He not only went from open self, he went from hidden self and he went to blind self. There are things I don't see, Lord. There's things I don't see. Come and cleanse my lips. When you grow in the Lord, you not only go from the open self 
It's easy to have an open self. Share it with your friends. Oh, yeah, good. And testify in church about things you want people to know. But the blind spot and the hidden spot, when you begin to grow in the Lord, you begin to cross over to these other selves, and the Holy Spirit does surgery upon you. I have never seen anybody that is mighty in the kingdom of God that is prideful, really mighty. Every person that's mighty in the kingdom of God, they may start out prideful, but they, that their character cannot sustain the calling. But somebody that's really used of the Holy Spirit and God anoints them, they realize they have nothing to do in it. That they do have blind spots. That it's not their education. It's not where they came from. It's not their charisma and their, their personality that got them where they got. They realize they have blind spots. And they also realize there are things about me that you don't know. So I know the reason I'm standing up here is not because I'm talented and good looking. I know some things about myself that you don't know. All you see is the fruit. But honey, I got some roots inside of me. And I know that it's only God's grace that I stand up here. And you see, when you begin to grow in the Lord... When you begin to grow in the Lord, you begin to realize that you have nothing to do in it because you're aware of the blind self. You're aware of the hidden self. You see, root, root is in the blind and unknown self, but the fruit is in the open self and hidden self. You see, somebody that has fruits of insecurity and fruits of jealousy and fruits of greed, attitudes, you know, don't talk to me, isolated, you know, that, that, those are not boundaries, those are walls. They're walls. God never created you to be isolated. God created you to be a part of a community. And that we use excuses as, oh, that's not my personality. No, that's a spiritual problem. And the reason you don't see it as a spiritual problem is because you're not recognizing the blind self. You see what I'm saying? How many is with me this morning? How many is with me this morning? Come on, I mean, said, how many is with me this morning? How many would testify that if you really let the Holy Spirit use you, He will get into those types of selves? You see, it's the unknown self. Listen, now what about the unknown self? Stuff that you don't know about yourself and others don't know about you. That is where God uses you. God, you listen, God uses seasons, situations, and circumstances to unearth what's on the inside of you. You don't even know what's on the inside of you. People don't even know what's on the inside of you. Come on, somebody. They, did, they looked at David and said, David is just a shepherd boy. There's no reason. He doesn't have the ability. He doesn't have the resources to kill the giant. 
Nobody saw a king in him. Nobody saw a giant slayer. They just looked at him as a little boy. They looked at him as Jesse's little boy, the unknown self. Nobody saw anything in him, and David didn't see anything in him. But God says, I'm going to put you in a situation where it's going to be tense, and it's going to bring out of you something you don't know that's on the inside of you. And that's what God does. God puts you in places where it's stressful to bring out of you what is hidden that you don't know that's there. Jonah didn't realize that he could do it. But God put him in the belly of a well. And then he realized there's stuff about me I didn't know I could do. Moses, his calling brought about the unknown self. The calling put a demand on his life that exposed his deficit. I'm going to say that again. The calling that was on Moses' life put a demand on him where it exposed his deficit. I'm going to say it again. The call of God on Moses' life put a demand on him where it exposed his deficit. What was the deficit of Moses? Speaking. He had a stuttering problem. God's calling will expose your deficit. God's calling will expose that you have a stuttering problem and you can't speak. But that doesn't mean you're not called. The reason that the calling exposes your weaknesses and your deficit is because God wants you to know that in your weakness, I am in, I'm strong. Can somebody just help this preacher preach this morning? So for you to say, I don't have the ability to do it. I don't think I can do it. Good, that's where you need to be. That's exactly where you need to be. Pastor Lewis is our missions pastor. I'm just going to use him because this is what come to my heart. He never saw himself as the missions pastor. Never would ever dream that he would move to this church and do it. But you know what? The calling exposes the deficit. He said, I can't do this. But you know what? That's why he's called. Because he realizes he can't do it himself. The call of God will expose your deficit. Can I hear an amen? So, do you see what I'm saying? When you grow in the Lord, when there is a desire to grow in the Lord, you move the boundaries of self. Open self, hidden self. Why do you pay a counselor? You pay a counselor to tell you things you can't see. You pay a counselor $200 an hour to sit at a chair as he eats his starburst to tell you stuff that you can't see yourself. Why is it that we think, why is it that we all think we got it together and that we have no issues at all? And if somebody comes to us and tells us something different, bless God, we're mad and upset. How dare them tell them I have an attitude? The things you don't see in your life could be the very reason why you're halted in your spiritual life. 
Well, I'm preaching better than the Methodist church down the street. I just wish somebody would just help. Is this all right this morning? I said, is this all right this morning? So David, David is a prime example of some things that you can learn. David, do you see the story of David? I love it. David, number one, was secure. How was he secure? The Bible says that Saul wanted him to put the armor on, right? And so here's David, a small little ruddy boy, good-looking boy, puts the armor on, and the Bible says he hadn't tested it, which means he hasn't tried it. It, it was too big for him. He just took the armor off, and what did he do? He went and got a rock. So get this. In this story, David was aware of his weaknesses. He was aware of the hidden self. He, God was taking him to the hidden self and the unknown self. David didn't even know. He had the ability to kill the giant. He didn't know he had the ability to be a king. God was putting him in a stressful place to bring out what God knew was on the inside of David. And number one, David was secure because David said, I don't need, the sh I don't need Saul's armor. I just, I'm going to go get a rock. And let me say this, a person who has dealt with their issues, don't need the armor of other people. They are secure with the simplicity of life. Can I hear an amen? What did he do? Number one, he was secure. I don't need Saul's armor. He went down and got a rock. Number two, he realized the rock was enough. I'm about to shout in here. The, you would think the armor was enough. But when you are secure and you've dealt with your issues, you realize I don't need to bring nothing to the table to try to please you. Or come on, come on. I know who I am in the Lord, and the rock is enough. Woo! I don't need, I don't need your armor, Saul. I don't need what you got to offer. I realize the rock is enough because I got God on my side. Can somebody say hallelujah? I need about 50 people up in this building. Go ahead and give God a praise and a shout. Hallelujah. You see, you see, he, he accomplished his assignment. Listen, he accomplished his assignment because he felt like the rock was enough. In other words, if you're going to be used of God, you've got to learn to put your desires to wishes, and you've got to learn to put everybody else's desires to wishes or to death. Saul wanted him to wear the armor because Saul thought it was appropriate. You should do this. He's big. He was secure with the rock. He was secure with the rock. Let me tell you something, church. Can you be secure with the rock? Everybody else is going in debt and getting the latest car and the latest house and the latest clothes, but can you be secure with the rock that God has given you? Can you be secure? Everybody else has flourishing relationships, but can you be secure with the rock that God has given you? Sometimes your assignment requires alignment. Your assignment requires alignment. Sometimes 
you've got to align your priorities to God's priorities. God's criteria is different than your criteria. God's criteria was just take a stone, buddy, and I'll use what you got. You don't need the armor. My criteria is different. Number four, and I want to say this, say it loud and clear. You don't kill a giant by tiptoeing around it. I'm going to say that again. I said, you don't kill a giant by tiptoeing around it. Some of you, the devil is racking havoc in your life. He's racking havoc in your relationships. He's racking havoc with your children. He's racking havoc in your emotions. He's racking havoc in your marriage. You're never going to defeat the devil as long as you sit down at the table of negotiation and try to negotiate with the devil. You're not called to negotiate with the devil. You're called to defeat the devil. You're called to bind the devil. You're called to rebuke the devil. You can never get victory as long as you're passive about the devil. Some of you need to get some backbone about you and put the devil where he belongs. You can't sit down at the table and say, Mr. Devil, do you think you can let hold of my kids? Do you think, Mr. Devil, that you could just let go of this and give it back to me? No. Jesus said in the book of Luke, Behold, I give you power that you would tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The Bible says, Behold, behold, he has come to destroy the works of the enemy. The enemy is under your feet. He is not above you. He's not beside you. He is under you because you've got authority over him. And the only reason the devil knows he's winning, he can't read your mind, but he can read your body language, and he knows exactly by looking at your family and looking at your life, he is winning. you got to be smarter than the devil. You can't kill the things in your life when you just tiptoe around it. See, Jeremiah chapter number 1. Remember Jeremiah? If you can go there, Jeremiah 1 6. Jeremiah 1 6. You remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah was called of the Lord. He says, Lord, I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. I'm a youth. Verse number seven. But the Lord says, Do not say I, you're a youth, for ye shall go to whom I shall send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. You see, God, Jeremiah did not realize the unknown self. He didn't realize things about himself. Listen, don't lose me. I'm closing with this. Jeremiah didn't realize that he was a prophet to the nations. You ever meet somebody who's like, boy, I'm called to the nations. I'm called to the nations. Well, let me tell you something. If you're called to the nations, God who spoke to people who went to the nations, though those people that he spoke to, he usually had to wrestle with them to say it. I don't know. You know what Jeremiah said? Listen to me, church. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. I'm too young. I, I cannot speak. Isn't that what we do? 
when God tells us to do something, we speak out of our insecurities. We speak out of our issues. Lord, I'm too young. Lord, I can't speak. And that's exactly, that's why Jeremiah needed to grow. He is still in the hidden self. He's still in the blind self. There's stuff about him he did not perceive. He didn't realize he was insecure. He's telling the Lord, I'm too young. Lord, I cannot speak. He is speaking to the Lord out of his insecurities. God never said, Jeremiah, you're too young. God never said, Jeremiah, you can't do this. God said, just do it. And folks, as you progress with the Lord, the Lord will do things in your life. It's unbelievable. Would you stand to your feet? Would somebody give the Lord praise and glory? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.